Hello there. Welcome to Pastors of the Roundtable, the discipleship podcast of Monroe Missionary Baptist Church, brought to you by Together in Christ, the teaching ministry of MMBC in Monroe, Michigan. We encourage thoughtful discussion about the Christian faith and connect you to the people and the ministries of MMBC. So we are here today around the table again. Uh, Pastor Tim has got food in his belly now. Um, some spinach. Yep, spinach salad. That's pretty good. That's good. Um, and just for the future, if you're ever interested, Pastor Tim does not like biscuits um, or... I mean, that's not fully true. It's just it doesn't excite me like other people. I it's not like... a draw at all. And chances are I probably wouldn't eat one if it was around. Unless I'm in the mood, or if there here's here would be if there's like some homemade jelly or honey, yeah, yeah, or apple butter, something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, then I like it. <sighs> like I biscuits like and gravy is not enticing. I mean, I I don't get me wrong, I'll eat it, but it's not. You like the cracker chicken in a biscuit? Yeah, those I do are, like those. Those are awesome, aren't they? I do like those. Yeah, sharp cheddar cheese, some chicken in a biscuit. Cheese whiz. Those I are good. Don't do cheese whiz. <laughs> nah, no, not, cheese not cheese whiz. Yeah. The Leaning Tower of Cheese. Uh, <laughs> you remember that? <laughs> what is that from? Son-in-law. Goofy movie. Goofy yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's that guy. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so we are walking through the Heidelberg Disputation um, here. Luther's uh, presentation of his uh, teaching in 1518. Last week we talked about. Um, the law of God, as good as it is, cannot advance us on the road to righteousness uh, because of our sin. And also, no matter how much we do and how often we do it, and as good as we think our works are, um, they cannot put us on the road to righteousness either, to making everything right with God and us. <clears throat> and here, we uh, today's theses, theses three and four, um, really... Uh, start to dive a little farther now into uh, these these concepts, and uh, I'm going to read them, and then I'm going to read a passage of scripture that I think they they tie in really well with. Um, so theses three and three theses four, uh, three. Even though the works of man always seem to be beautiful and good, they are nevertheless demonstrably deadly sins. And then number four, the works of God thus always seem ugly and wicked. Nevertheless, they are truly eternal gain. And what Luther is doing here in stating these very provocative statements, he is, um, I think, really, um, it, it sounds very similar to 1 Corinthians um, chapter 1, where Paul says in verse 18, For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will deser- destroy the wisdom of the wise and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs, and Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God, And the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. So, what Paul is saying there in 1 Corinthians is that the message that we preach, the word of the cross, we realize is the power of God to salvation. But to the natural man, it seems like the 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 weakest and most ridiculous message the world has ever heard. 
because um, it, you're saying that uh, we can be saved through a guy dying on a tree 2,000 years ago. And I'm going to pin all my salvation hopes and, and hope that everything's going to make sense in light of that one man. And Paul says that is, that is folly. That is a stumbling block to Greeks and to the Jews. But he says, even though it looks like foolishness to the world, it's actually wisdom with God. And what the world thinks is wisdom is actually foolishness with God. So there's these, these seeming paradoxes that Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And that's really where Luther's now going to start driving here with this, this whole understanding of, of the Christian message. Because the Christian message, the message that we preach and that the Bible proclaims, is one that flips everything upside down. You're reminded of whenever um, in Acts, whenever the, the Paul and the apostles were preaching the message of the gospel, the, the, the crowd said, um, came and said, these men are turning the world upside down. And that's what the gospel does. It flips things completely. It, 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 it totally surprises us and upturns all of our expectations and the natural way that we think about things. And that's why Paul later on will say that um, we do impart a wisdom, but it's a wisdom that the world does not understand. It's a wisdom that only comes through the Spirit of God calling and enlightening us. And that's where he's getting at right now with the way that we interpret the world um, in Christ. So the first thing he says is this in Theses 3, even though the works of man, so the things that we do as human beings, always, they always seem to be beautiful and good. They are nevertheless demonstrably deadly sins. So the things that the world thinks are good and beautiful are actually in God's sight deadly. Um, so let's talk about here. What are some of the beautiful and good works that you think the world thinks about when they think about the things that mankind can do or that they do, what are some good works quote, quote, that men um, praise and, and look at as beautiful and holy giving money to charity. Yeah. Sacrificial giving Tim. Yeah. I think like uh, people take care of like refugees uh, what's the like? Uh, what's what's the groups like Greenpeace? Um, oh, what's the other group? Red Cross, like doing stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, foster care. Yeah, adoption, parenting. Some people still see as good, mm-hmm. right? Marriage still. Some people would say is good, very good. I don't know. It's just volunteering in yeah. your community. A lot of caring for animals. Yeah, Which that's I don't a good thing. I don't understand. Right, you don't like animals. Usually. I mean, I just do. You care for your animal? <laughs> I check his food once in a while. I was at your house just recently, and I saw he had a well-filled bowl. Yep. So I'm very proud of you. Water. Yeah. He gets pet taken out. It's petted. That's nice of you to pet your dog every now and then. <laughs> <laughs> once in a while. Yeah. So the works of man always seem to be beautiful and good. So when we look at what we do. We naturally think um, those things are good. Or I think about um, in, in Christian in the Christian realm, right? Let's think about Christian works. Jesus talks about praying. The Pharisees would love to pray in front of people in order to be seen by men. Mm-hmm. To the and notice in order to be seen by men. Why? Because when men looked at the Pharisees, they thought they looked good and holy. Sometimes we think about the Pharisees today, and we think that the Pharisees were just a bunch of uh, uh, grumpy, crotchety old men 
who no one really liked. But that's not the truth. Mm -hmm. Jesus had to confront them because everyone wanted to be like the Pharisees. They were very attractive um, to be. That's why he has to, whenever he pronounces woes on them in chapter 23 of Matthew, um, he says, what does he say here? He says, um, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you clean the outside of the cup and the plate, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and the plate, that the outside also may be clean. He calls them whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanness. And so Jesus there is saying what Luther is trying to proclaim here as well, is that it is very, the things that we look outside. So for instance, um, people can do very holy seeming things. They can give a ton of money to a church. And we look at that and think that's beautiful and good, but it could be that in God's eyes, that's a deadly sin. Somebody could go to the mission field and go and do that. And it's a good and holy thing or a beautiful thing to the world. But if they're going for, if they're like the Pharisees, then in God's sight, it's a deadly sin. It's not a good work. It's possible to, um, you know, you know, treat your wife a certain way and outside outwardly, it looks beautiful and good, but inwardly you're not doing it out of faith in Christ. So it's a deadly sin then. Um, so all of these things that we look at, even the things that externally conform to the law of God, um, at one level, we're thankful that they're done. But on the other hand, if they're done apart from faith in Christ, they are deadly um, because they are, um, uh, they, they actually just further your condemnation. I was, you know, um, we're reminded too in the parable where Jesus uh, <clears throat> in uh, Luke, was it chapter 18 or 16, one of those two with the Pharisee and the tax collector, right? The Pharisee thanks the Lord that he is not like other men. Why? Because he's doing a bunch of good stuff, mm. beautiful acts. He's not like other men. He thanks the Lord for that. And we're told by Jesus that he was not justified but the guy who hadn't done anything that looked good and beautiful was actually the one who went home reconciled to God. And so what Luther here is driving at is to really flip the way that we think about um, our own works and what we can do and what is actually good in God's sight. Um, so you can actually see that, because sometimes we all do that, right? We do things that we think are beautiful and good, and we're really impressed with them. And we think, wow, look what I did. Like as a pastor, I don't know if you guys have ever done this, but I've, I've preached a message and I think, you know, I nailed that sucker. I did. I was, that was awesome. I, I'm, those people have no idea what they heard. <laughs> and then, you know what? That's actually a deadly sin in God's eyes. Hmm. Because the, that's sermon, just, the sermon or the attitude? After my that? attitude, my heart, mm -hmm. my doing that. That's, that's a deadly sin. You know what I mean? I may have said everything externally right, but in God's sight, that was not a good work because I was doing it for myself. And Or if you go and do anything like that as a person, right, the things that you think are good and beautiful, again, in God's sight, they're actually deadly, deadly sins. So can man ever do anything good? Not apart from Christ. No, not apart from him. And that's where we're going to get at, ultimately, is you can do things that are externally good, um, and Luther would use different words of different types of righteousnesses. There's a civil righteousness in which we're talking about it's good in a sense of it's externally good for society and things like that. But in God's eyes, because Psalm 7, 9 says God looks at the heart. He judges the intentions. He tests the heart of us. And it's also talking about like good to obtain a righteousness right with God. A good, yeah. And that just doesn't exist is what is really no. being getting no. at here. 
And I do think we need to differentiate that because there is, there are good things like you were saying that man can do that is, it is a good, right? Like uh, Scott had mentioned like adoption or fostering. Sure. There is a benefit to that, to society Mm -hmm. for that to happen. But what the point is that's getting across here is it's not going to help you to obtain any righteousness in the eyes of God. It's not because ultimately even, even though at some level, right, we would say that's civilly righteous. Mm -hmm. If you're doing it for the wrong motivations, it's actually an evil work. Right. But even as a church, right, we would, we would praise. There's certain things that we would praise secularly because it's good for man. Sure. Right. But we're not saying this is so good. God is very happy with you now. You no, probably right. No, yeah. No. Like, just, yeah. yeah. No. Like Paul says, or not Paul, but um, Peter says in Acts chapter nine, fifteen, verse nine, that um, our clen- our hearts have to be cleansed by faith. For any work to be good, it has to be the person doing it has to be righteous. So the temptation we think is, I get righteous by doing righteous things. So I, I become righteous or I become cleansed by, be, by cleansing myself. And the gospel flips that on its head and says, no, first you have to be cleansed. You have to be righteous in order to do righteous things. So Martin Luther in this thesis number three is not necessarily talking about a Christian. No, not necessarily. Yeah. No. no, this is all works that, are, that we look at as good and beautiful apart from faith. Apart from trusting in Christ. Yeah. Well, that's what I was asking, because he doesn't say, he might say other, like, I'm sure these will all build upon themselves, but yeah. where we're at, like, just on Jesus yeah. number three, right. you've said that a number of times, done in faith. Yeah. But he doesn't say that here in Not statement yet. three. He just says, always. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So it's, it's very um, permanent. The or, works of man yeah. always, always seem to be good and And beautiful. I think what it would be is, the works of man always will be. But man can do works that God has ordained when you're in Christ that sure. make it yeah. acceptable. Mm-hmm. But how Spencer kept saying, um, the selfish motives of doing good, like that's mm-hmm. always in there, right, mm-hmm. in all of us. And that's what makes it then damning, right? That's what then makes sure. it detestable sin is there's there's really nothing we do with purity, with all purity, there's always right. something in there. You, right. you know, what I even mean? after faith, there's yeah. Oh yeah, our yeah, works. But then we're in Christ, so right? Right. Ultimately, God uses our works. Well, and ultimately, the one who's doing those works is not us, but Christ in us. You're right. At work in us. Mm-hmm. Um, now there is the old Adam that's still there, um, that still resists that. Yeah, and he has to be uh, daily killed every day um, because he still rears his ugly head. But yeah, no, I think this is something that's um, again important um, because the world applauds people who are, you know, I'm going to look at it, particularly people who are non-Christians who um, maybe, maybe take obvious stands against the truth of God's word, but they, you know, like we've talked about their philanthropists or um, they do things like, you know, I think about certain people and very well-known people that give money or do something and the world applauds them and says, that's good and beautiful. But actually the way the world looks at that is completely wrong. In God's sight. Is Relay for Life a country? Why, you guys know what that is? I've heard of it. It was a big thing here in Monroe for a yeah. long time. It had to do with cancer, and they would do like a 24-hour marathon walk out at the fair, and you would like pledge money, <clears throat> and there would be things out there, and it was a good thing. They would honor families who lost loved ones through cancer, and it was talking about having hope, but it wasn't Christian. You know, they might ask, a, I remember once they, I, I went and talked at it, um, 
but I just got the feeling at it. You know, I'm just like a tag on thing. This isn't really a, a Christian thing, but it mm-hmm. was a good thing. Mm-hmm. Like you were saying, yeah, I was just curious. If that was mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think the thing is too, is, and this is helpful too. <laughs> For instance, we'll, we'll get there. Event- I don't know if we'll get to this later on, but, um, eventually what we would say as Christians is, for instance, if, if you, if you worked in theoretically in a shoe factory, right. And you're making, you got your, you got two people, one's a believer in Christ and one's not a believer in Christ. And they're both working theoretically with the same amount of effort, putting forth the same diligence. And uh, as far as making that shoe in God's sight, the person who's doing it in faith is doing a really good work in his sight because he's indwelt by Christ. The other person, while he's doing a civilly good thing is not doing the same thing as the person who's doing it from faith because it's faith in Christ that makes something good then because it's Christ who makes something holy. It's not, it's not even us that makes something holy. It's his, his presence that makes something good and holy in God's sight. So that's what makes the distinction is you it's not the even the temptation we have to do is to find special works to go do that we think are good and beautiful but god says um actually it's the person who's doing them um that is that it's the remember because jesus says right the the fruit comes from the fact that whether or not we're good trees or bad trees so we have to deal with the root first not the fruit um and such well the opposite of this is the case for god's works he says, the works of, of man always seem to be beautiful and good. They are nevertheless demonstrably deadly sins. But then he says, the works of God thus always seem ugly and wicked. Nevertheless, they are truly eternal gain. What are some works of God um, in creation that you think the world looks at and just says, uh, they kind of just overlook that? We don't applaud that as good and beautiful. Gender. Yeah, there you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the way God made us. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's a good point. The world is attacking the works of God as being distorted and ugly and beautiful there, mm-hmm. or ugly and, and wicked. And you could say that then you can go on to say the family. God created yeah. the family, Adam and right. Eve. You know, this, this for this reason, the man shall leave his mother and father. Mm-hmm. And uh, <clears throat> the world doesn't like the uh, institution of the family as it's according to God's word. Right. Yeah, the works of God, he, uh, Scott, were you going to say something else? Mm-mm. Oh, yeah, I think um, one of the things that we look at the world and um, one of the sins of mankind is that we, though we know God's there, we're ungrateful to him. And so one of the things we do is we, we are, we're so selfish that we think what we do with our hands is so impressive. Um, but when we look at the world around us, at what God made, we're not impressed with it anymore. We're kind of we're kind of over it, right? It's just there, but we're still impressed with the fact that we can do this or that with technology or in our own hearts or do something. Look what I did. I helped that lady across the street. I'm not a great guy, but then you then you don't take that same time and say, you know what? But that's really nothing in light of all that God has given me in creation. We look at the creation, we look at the world, we look at the universe, and we, we're just over God. We're, we don't think he's important. We could, we could live without him, we think. We can move on beyond that. But then especially when we think about the works of God, particularly you see this in the cross, 
And this is really where Luther, you can eventually hear, he's going to talk about there's two different types of theologians. There's a theologian of glory who thinks that he can get to heaven and thinks about his whole life and what he can do. And the theologian of the cross looks at the world the opposite way by simply trusting in God's promise and um, uh, endures suffering and such. So the works of God always seem ugly and wicked. And I'll read a little bit of Isaiah 53 because this is where you see this particularly well. Does that book you have define these theses more? That book you have right there? Well, Luther gave a little bit of explanation there underneath these yeah. as well. But then also there's devo- There's like these sh- short little chapters on them. Do you want to look at it? Yeah. There you go. Go ahead. So Isaiah 53, right? Who has believed what he heard from us and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he, talking about Christ, grew up before him like a young plant and like a dry a root, root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. So right away, the preeminent work of God in redemption, we look at Jesus Christ and we say, yeah, there's no majesty about him, no form about him. And you think about the gospels when they said, it's all Jesus. And they said, this is, this is Mary's son. How can he now say he's come down from heaven? Um, and so we look at Jesus and we think he's wicked and ugly or the Pharisees remember while he's on the cross, if he is the Christ come down from the cross, if you are the King of Israel, come down and then we'll believe in you. And even the thieves mocked him while they were on the cross. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs, carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. So we looked at Jesus and we thought, man, he's so ugly. Look at that. This is a guy that's being treated like the worst criminal you can imagine. Um, and, and as he's suffering there, the world looks at him and despises him, does not revere him, doesn't regard him as beautiful and holy and good and worthy of anything. He's worthy of being crucified outside the city and buried in a tomb and forgotten forever. That's what the world thinks about Jesus, and that's what we think about Jesus before faith. But the amazing thing is, is that we know through his cross and resurrection, Jesus's works that look ugly and wicked are actually truly the eternal gain that we need for our salvation. The cross is the power of God to salvation. And... That message, um, that's really getting the back to the heart of Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, where he's showing how these things, they, the gospel flips everything on its head um, <clears throat> the way that we would naturally um, think and approach those things. Um, Tim, are you getting any further nuggets from the book? Yeah, this thesis didn't make any sense to me. That's why I was wondering. Okay. Um, because what, what came in my head is like, all the works of God seem ugly and wicked to people, yeah. but that's not true. People love creation. They love, and they'll say it's beautiful, and mm. they'll. Many of men will say women are beautiful, and women will. So, I was disagreeing with what was being said there. Okay, but it seems like as he was explaining it in the little part underneath, it's it's saying the works of God that he's talking about is when God starts to work in your life and show mm-hmm. you your wickedness, your sin and your depravity. And it always looks ugly. Yeah. It looks horrible and it gets you to a place of no hope. It gets you a place of utter depravity. 
But nevertheless, he says, but this is where true eternal gain lies is because mm-hmm. then you see the grace of God in that. Yeah. That's what, that's what the point of it is that yeah. that made more sense yeah. to me. And also, explained it. yeah, because you, right. It goes back to second, first Samuel chapter two, the Lord kills and the Lord makes alive. Mm-hmm. So the typical way that we think about the way of salvation naturally is I go back to your sermon, Tim, which is I just need the Bible and I just need God to help augment what I've already got going on. Mm-hmm. And so you give me a little bit of Christianity because I'm not that broken and sinful. So therefore, just give me a few more principles and I can sprinkle Jesus onto my life and that'll help me on my road to glory. And what God, Luther is saying is the work of God in creation or in, or in, in salvation to us is <clears throat> the first thing he does is to show you, you can't do anything you can do nothing. That's why people were offended by Jesus in, in John chapter six, because he says, you can't come to me unless the father draws you. You're dead. You, I'm the bread. You need me. And that was offensive to them because Jesus was saying, you have no life in you. You need everything from me. And the natural man looks at that and says, that does not make sense. I have, I'm, look at me. I'm doing pretty well on my own. And the law of God comes and kills us. Um, but then it also, the promise of the gospel makes us alive so that we can experience peace with God and eternity with him forever. So, um, yeah. Any further comments before we wrap up? I don't think so. Do you want more comments? No, no. Are you going to cuss again? <sighs> Please? Please. <laughs> End this with a bang. <laughs> Not today. Okay. Not today. Well, good. All right. There we work, go. God's working in your life, and yep, that's good to see. I'm trying to clean my mouth up. <laughs> okay. Thanks for listening. Take care. God bless. <laughs>